We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Are you working? What kind of work do you do? Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of the Spurs Up Show, presented by the Armchair All-Americans. I'm your host, Chris Phillips, joined, as always, by my co-host and my colleague, Thomas Floyd. We are back from the bye week. The Gamecocks host the Tennessee Volunteers this Saturday, 7.30 kickoff at Williams-Brice Stadium. We're going to get into all that, break down the game. Also, a very special interview with Landon Raby of More Important Issues, the Tennessee Volunteers podcast, one of the best out there. Before we get into all that, if you're not subscribed yet, I'm not sure what you're doing. The best Gamecocks podcast on the internet by far please be sure to go check us out we're on itunes the stitcher app wherever you consume your media wherever you consume your podcast please be sure to go online rate subscribe share and download the spurs up show check us out we're also meet social media twitter at the spurs up show uh, armchair south Carolina can be found on social media on twitter at armchair scar instagram armchair scar as well and of course again like i mentioned this is a podcast presented to you by the armchair americans so please be sure to go check us out armchairamericans.com for all your latest breaking gamecocks news coverage our podcast again cover everything professional to collegiate sports esports fantasy gambling you name it so please be sure to go there armchairallamericans.com of course i did mention gambling as you guys know this podcast is presented to you by our friends over at my bookie please be sure to go check the guys out at my bookie that's m y b o o k i e.ag I wouldn't recommend a gambling service that I didn't myself personally use. Myself, I'm actually a retired gambler. When I did gamble, my bookie is the way to go. Their payouts are super quick. It's a really easy, fun outlet to use. And when you go there and use the promo code SPURS25, that's S-P-U-R-S-25, you're going to get your first deposit matched 100% up to $1,000. And they're also going to throw in an $25 whenever you use that promo code SPURS25. So please go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code SPURS25. You haven't done so already, get started gambling today. We're in full swing at MLB playoffs. The NBA is back, NHL hockey, college and NFL football is the best time of the year if you're a gambler, if you're a sports fan. So go to mybookie.ag, use the promo code SPURS25 to create your account today, get your first deposit match 100% up to $1,000. Remember with mybookie, you play, you win you get paid. All right, like I said, joining me today on the show today is Thomas Floyd. Tom, great to have you back on. Obviously, the bye week was a, was a good one, I think, for all of us. How'd you spend the bye week? Did you watch a ton of football? Did you kind of get away from it and relax? How was your bye? Uh, it was a good one. Saturday, I kind of uh, watched football all day, watched some Cougars beat up on Oregon, you know, Washington State, loved Coach Mike Leach. But um, 
it was a good one. It was good, you know, not having the stress of Carolina playing on a Saturday and then Patriots pulled out a dub Sunday. So that was a good weekend overall. Yeah, I was going to say that as far as NFL, I watched a good bit of football on Saturday. Not really much else to do. It was kind of a gloomy day out. But, yeah, Sunday, the Panthers, my God, what a win they got at Philadelphia down 17 nothing, and able to come back and get the win just, you know, improbable fashion. But, yeah, pretty good bye week overall, but glad to be back at it. Uh, like I said before, the Gamecocks, it is Tennessee week. Gamecocks take on Tennessee in kind of their traditional uh, Halloween weekend matchup, if you will. It's a 7.30 kickoff SEC Network. Uh, game being played at Williams-Brice, obviously. Gamecocks open this game, Tom, a seven-and-a-half-point favorite. Uh, Over-under set at 54 for the game. Overall in the series, Tennessee leads at 25-9-2 and with the Gamecocks, obviously, obviously since Steve Spurrier took over. Uh, it's been a different series. I mean, Gamecocks have won two in a row in this series, going for their third straight. They won three in a, three in a row from 2010 to 2012. So the series is obviously flipped since Steve Spurrier took over, got that initial win in Knoxville in 2005. Uh, again, like I said, last time they met, South Carolina beat the Vols last year. We'll all remember that thrilling game, 15-9. Chris LeMond's bats away the uh, the final play of the game to secure the victory for the Gamecocks. And Will Muschamp actually made a comment in his presser today about how it felt like Tennessee ran 12 plays with three seconds left when they are down there on the goal line. And it really did. I don't know how you run two plays with four seconds left, but Tennessee found a way, and South Carolina was still able to hang on. So a thrilling game. And this one, I, I really believe, promises to be another one. Um, a little bit about the Vols. They come in this one three and four, one and three in the SEC. Uh, got their first SEC win in over a year uh, by beating the Auburn Tigers two weeks ago in Auburn. Huge win for Jeremy Pruitt uh, in his first season as Vols head coach. And just huge, huge win for that program to get that monkey off their back. Um, you know, Tennessee coming off of – a pretty solid beating by Alabama, but they've been doing that to every single team. But overall, you know, you know, Tom, I really just feel like Tennessee kind of in a similar place um, that South Carolina is right now, just sort of trying to figure out really who they are and what their identity is. I mean, I agree. I think they're, you know, Pruitt's in his first year there. He has a bunch of guys. He's playing a bunch of freshmen like Wilma Shant did his first year, you know, wanting to play his guys. And say, I think he said something like after the – in the press conference after the Alabama game about how, like, we're going to recruit guys who are going to want to come play every snap for us and give all their effort. And, I mean, I think Pruitt and Muschamp are similar in some ways, and obviously they're, they're different too. But I like Pruitt. I think that he's going to do a good job. I hope Not that I hope he does a good job at Tennessee. I hope Tennessee does awful. But, I mean, <laughs> I, think, I think that he's, you know, I, I think he's a good coach. I don't think that he's a bad coach. I don't think they hired, like, the wrong guy or whatever. But, um, I mean, they're, I, I mean, they're struggling to a point, but it's like, you were kind of left with a dumpster fire from the previous regime. It's like, what do you expect? But, I mean, I think for them to go to Auburn and beat, you know, beat them on the road, you know, year one for Jeremy Pruitt, that's got to be a big confidence booster, especially on their recruiting trail. But, um, I don't know. I mean, they're having a decent year to me. Not the best, obviously, considering right. the, the big losses. Especially with the – I was just going to say, especially with the tempered expectations, that's something you'll hear later in the show. I talked to Landon Raby about the comments that you talked about that Jeremy Pruitt made. I think he made one comment at halftime and then one right after the game, but basically just talking about how he told the players he'll he'll go recruit 25 other guys to play beside him to, you know, compete in games like that so it'll never happen again. And I saw some fans on social media feeling like he, you know, called out his current team or was calling out his players. I mean, I can appreciate appreciate Jeremy Pruitt and him being a head coach just telling it like it is. But, but because, you know, as much as I love Will Muschamp, there's just so many times where he's keeping everything so close to the vest for example, the DJ Wanham situation where I know it's a little bit different with injuries, but, you know, we were thinking he's going to be back for the Georgia game, and now they're just going to get him back for this one, thankfully. Um, 
so yeah, I appreciated Jeremy Pruitt's, uh, you know, honesty overall, but yeah, a lot different dynamic in this matchup. Let's move right into breaking it down, Tom. You know, Jeremy Pruitt comes in, obviously, first year SEC head coach, first year Tennessee head coach. Um, Will Muschamp has absolutely had his way against the Vols, by the way, 6-0 and um, in his coaching career against Tennessee. Um you know, Tennessee comes on offense, has some questions at the quarterback position. Jarrett Garantano's kind of been their guy. They've gone back and forth between him and Keller Christ. Um, you know, Garantano got nicked up last week against Bama. Chris comes in, throws a couple touchdowns. Jeremy Pruitt confirms, I think, yesterday that Garantano is fine and will play. Will Muschamp says in his press today they are prepping for both guys. Um, and it's funny, Tom, because obviously with the – I don't want to say turmoil, but with the conversation, the quarterback conversation in South Carolina – I think it's just a really interesting storyline of the battle between the quarterbacks, Jake Bentley and Michael Skarnecchia. You know, I'm not saying Michael Skarnecchia is going to play, but Jake Bentley and Michael Skarnecchia against Keller Chris and Jared Garantano. And I think that's going to be a battle that's going to go a long way in deciding this football game Saturday. I agree. I think that um, there are um, just a bunch of different factors in this game. Bentley having a you know good first half. Garantano is obviously – I think I mentioned it last year when I, on the, I actually got a chance to go on the radio last year for in Tennessee. I wasn't physically in Tennessee. I called in from the previous people I worked for. But I think I said something about how Jared Garantano – I'm good with words. Great with English today, Chris. But um, anyway, I was talking about how he – you know, they hurt us with mobile quarterbacks. And last year that was a big thing for us. But I don't know. I think it's going to be a challenge for us definitely. Yeah, I was just going to say, I mean, I, I – I was talking to Landon Raby again. I, I feel like I'm pretty high on Jarek Garantano as far as maybe compared to some other people and the fact that I thought for the situation he was thrown in last year, he played a pretty good game. I mean, he, he kept Tennessee in that game. South Carolina's defense had a really good game that day. But, you know, he's got some upside. And they talked about he's yeah, a much improved player to this to this point. You know, he, he's a much better quarterback than he was a year ago. And obviously you bring a guy, Keller Kristen, a transfer that – almost like a Joe Burrow situation. You want kind of the surefire option. But I think Jared Garantano has got a chance to be a really good player in this league. I mean, like you said, just the, you know, the, the dual threat, the way that he plays the game as far as being able to run the football, he, he can also throw it around a little bit as well, uh, I think is going to be really interesting. One of the big keys, Tom, to me, and something I saw, Tennessee's got a running back, Ty Chandler, averaging almost five yards per carry. Um, and it's kind of funny, you know, we talked about the Texas A&M game going into that one as South Carolina need to stop the run, stop the run, stop the run. That was kind of the vital focus. Um, I know Tennessee's offensive line has struggled to this point. Uh, they've actually given up a ton of tackles for loss. I did, I did have it pulled up in front of me earlier, but they've struggled. Uh, they have definitely struggled letting people get in the backfield. Sacks as well. They've given up 14 sacks on the season. But one thing I'm going to be watching really closely is just how that Gamecocks front seven stops the running game with DJ Wanham back in the fold because the linebackers have been such an issue this season. Um, you know, I'm just going to be interested to see, like, like I said, Tennessee, not the most talented offense, not the highest scoring, not the most explosive offense, but they've got some guys in the backfield. It seems like every year they can make you pay if you over pursue. Yeah, I agree. I think that they're, they're very, not, I don't say very explosive, but they're just, they have a bunch of, a bunch of quality guys back there in the backfield. But um, as far as DJ Warren being back, I think that's huge. You know, week one, I don't think really Coastal ran at him and not to have a guy who's basically an all SEC type player and a guy who, you know, if he'd have played all year, would probably, you know, probably be a, you know, I would say top four round draft pick, if not, you know, higher than that based on stats. But having him back is going to be great. It's going to add to the depth a lot. There's a lot of things that he brings to the table that we've been missing the last couple, last week since, since week one at least. Oh, yeah, it's going to be huge. I mean, and getting, finally getting DJ Wanham back, really the leader of your defense. Yeah. 
Um, I mean, it's going to be huge for the Gamecocks defense. Uh, let's just stick with defense. We'll jump back to offense. I know I'm kind of all over the place. But um, one of the big match, another big matchup, I think, in this game is the Gamecocks defensive backs. Um, Will Muschamp talked about it today in his pressure that, you know, the, the, the challenge that Tennessee presents with their really, really big wide receivers, Jawan Jennings being one of note, um, you know, they've got some guys that are really talented on the outside that can make plays. And, you know, I have to think, Tom, that if you're Tennessee, that's kind of got to be your game plan coming in this one is that you're going to try to expose that South Carolina secondary because you're, you're without Nick Harvey on Saturday. You're without JT eBay on Saturday. So that's two guys more. You're down in the secondary. J.C. Horn, as good as he's played, is a true freshman, which is a very intriguing storyline because he was a Tennessee commit, flipped to South Carolina. Um, But, you know, we talk about it week in and week out. You know, you feel pretty good about Rashad Fenton, but how are the safeties going to hold up? How is Keyshawn Nixon at the other corner going to hold up? And I'm really not going to be surprised if that's an area, Tom, that Tennessee really tries to expose throughout this game. Yeah, I agree. I think that having Nick – you said Nick Harvey was out, right, too? Nick Harvey and JT. Nick Harvey and JT. Two grad transfers that I don't say we depend on a lot, but, you know, one guy that's going to it's going to force us to make a good game and we're going to get exposed is Jam Williams. He's going to have to step up with safety this week. You know, a big week out of him might end up equaling the win for us. But I'm confident in the young guys. You know, you have – Keyshawn Nixon still – he's not a young guy, but a guy that has been, I guess, serviceable to this point. But, you know, I've, Rashad Fenton's had a great season. J.C. Horn's had a great season. And, you know, Israel Mukwamu's guy that's come along. I'm confident that those three guys, along with Jalen Williams and Steven Montag, my personal favorite player on the defense, can get the job done. Yeah, I mean, I, I think, again, they're going to have to. And this this is kind of another one of those games, Tom, we talked about. What's Jam Williams going to do? Um, I mean, he's had a pretty quiet season other than that pick against Missouri, which – Let's face it, that was a really lucky play. I mean, just the ball kind of falling in his in his arms. What kind of game is he going to have? I think this is sort of a game where he has the opportunity to step up and play a huge role, and I'm really hoping to see it because I just don't think we've seen the best out of Jam Williams this season. And I think he's a guy that's an all-SEC caliber player. I mean, obviously he was an all-SEC freshman player last year, or all-freshman all SEC team, whatever you want to call it. So, I mean, he's got the potential. I'm curious to see how he steps up. Again, I think this is going to be another fantastic test for a guy like a Rashad Fenton. Um, that kind of wants to show, you know, he's in his NFL draft year that wants to really show that he's one of the top elite corners in the country. So should be a lot of fun to watch that matchup on the outside. Moving to the offense, um, you know, Tom, obviously the bye week, it's given people time to sort of settle down in regards to the quarterback conversation. No no controversy, no, no uncertainty this week. Jake Bentley is a starter here going into this game. Um, we talked about this before, on the, I think, on last week's show about if – you know, if if you didn't see Michael Skarnecki against Texas A&M in the first half or right after halftime, you're probably not going to see him the rest of the season. That's my opinion. What do you think the odds are, if any – or let me spin it this way. Jake Bentley obviously has had his struggles. Do we? He's been very good against Tennessee, though, actually. Do we think Jake Bentley can turn it around, rebound in a night game at Williams-Brice Stadium, the comfortable confines of Williams-Brice, and sort of find that groove and get the second half of the season started on a high note against the team again? that he's had success against? Well, I think this can be vital to us winning that game. You know, you can't – a team that's – you know, obviously Auburn's not having the greatest season this year, but they beat Auburn on the road. So, it's not like they can't have success against teams on the road. We know what South Carolina does in night games. Well, you know, if you look at it, Jake Millian's only win in a night game against a ranked team was Tennessee at home. Even though Tennessee's not ranked this year, his only win in a night game in his career was Tennessee at home his freshman year. So, maybe you can have a repeat of that. I mean, will it happen probably? No, because we've seen what Jake Milley – we get out of Jake Milley. But, you know, will Muschamp make a, make a change back there if Jake Milley's bad? 
Well, I mean, when you look at what his press conference said, I think he stated that um something about if there's a decision we can make that help the team win this week, then we're going to do it. And I, you know, maybe he's hinting that, you know, if Bentley ends up sucking it up, maybe he'll make a change. I don't know. I just want to win and that be, have it be the, I want the players to be on the field that are going to give us the best chance to be successful through all four quarters. And if Michael Skarnicki is going to be that, then put him in. And if Jake Bentley is going to be that, let him play. Yeah, I absolutely 100% agree. I don't think there's any confusion where we stand with the, uh, in that regard. One thing I am really intrigued to watch, Tom, because this was a comment on Will Muschamp's call-in show last week, and I think he may have reiterated today um, on his weekly presser. But, you know, he talked a lot about that South Carolina, when they're getting in these RPO situations, they run heavy RPO, obviously. There's a lot of situations where Brian McClendon's calling a certain play that's an RPO, but he feels like he's calling it in a run set, if you will. And it's getting changed to a pass. And that's obviously being changed by Jake Bentley because he has control of, you know, does he give it off? Does he keep it? Whatever. And Will Muschamp talked a lot about, again, being stubborn with the run. When you have a run and a when you come to the line in a run set, sticking with the run, just calling it a run. You know what I mean? Don't, not so much RPO. They don't want to go completely away from it. But I think what Will Muschamp's getting at is there's been a lot of times where, they just need to be hard-nosed and run the football and not always opt out of it. And I think that's something – that's why you saw South Carolina against Missouri with Michael Skarnecki and run it so many times because I think Michael Skarnecki may be a little more conservative. They may have told him to be more conservative, but I think he was just a little more conservative, was willing to hand the ball off more, whereas Jake Bentley's more of a gunslinger. He wants to throw the football. Um, and I think that's attributed to some of South Carolina's low rushing totals, or low rushing totals and low rushing attempts in general. So – you know, Tom, I, I'm really curious to see the way South Carolina comes out and tries to run the football, how much more they try to run the football, and how that affects the overall, um, you know, game plan from the offense. You know, there are very few quarterbacks who can be extremely successful and not have a consistent running game. I mean, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, you know, very few guys, and even it's not even in just college, but, I mean, in the NFL that can be – you know, he's successful without a good running game. I think for Jake, though, Jake to go out there and win, he has to have a, not a 100-yard rusher, but he has to he has, he has to be getting it done on the ground. Rico Dowdle hasn't performed this year. A.J. Turner's done what he's had to do in his limited role of being the third down back and rarely being the back in on the first or second down. But I just want to see Tyson Williams get the ball more consistently. Obviously, to me at this point, he's the most consistent running back and the guy that's going to get you four, four and a half, five yards a clip usually when you get the ball to him. He's going to hit the hole, make the right decision, why not put him out there? The running back rotation has confused me for since we've been in the in the Wilmot-Champ era. I don't understand how it works at all. I mean, I, I kind of get to go with the hot hand thing, but if you're not getting the hot hand, if the guy is not performing well at all, why continue to, like, run with him or just completely abandon the run game altogether and let Jake Bentley throw it 45 times? I don't think we're going to win a lot of, a lot of ball games. Jake Bentley has, you know, his 28 of 40 passing. I just don't think that's going to – that's not going to equal a lot of success for us unless we're just in the absolute shootout. But I, I think for us to have a good week this week, we have to run the ball and do it effectively. No, I 100% agree. And, I mean, the stats speak for themselves. When South Carolina runs the football for more than 100 yards, I don't have the stats pulled up right here, but their record is extremely good when they run for over 100 yards. I think it's like 9-1 and one or something under Will Muschamp. So, there, there's – the proof is in the pudding. I mean, there's really no secret in that regards what they need to do. And I agree with you. I'm just – you know, it's just this week is going to be very intriguing because I I have a really new, refreshed sense of watching coming in this game Saturday. It's kind of like, all right, this is kind of a new beginning. The second half of the season, first half is over. You're three and three. 
there's nothing you can do about it. Are we going to see the exact same thing and the exact same problems we saw from the first half? Or has Will Muschamp, is it not just coach speak? Are they really going to try to stick to the run more? Are they going to have – are they going to give Tyson Williams the ball more? Because I agree with you. He's a guy that needs more carries. I mean, he's just – you've got a guy averaging almost six yards a carry and you're not giving it to him more than seven times a game. That just doesn't make any logical sense. So, um you know, I agree with you. I'm really hoping to see some more consistency as far as out of the run game. South Carolina's offensive line is playing way too well for South Carolina not to be trying to pound the ball more often on teams. And all it's going to do is open up the pass and take the pressure off of Jake Bentley, which is why you said, I mean, when South Carolina runs the ball well, he normally plays well and South Carolina normally wins. I mean, that's just kind of how it goes. Um, obviously, one thing, Tom, that everybody's going to be tuning in to watch for is the, the wide receivers. Um, what did the bye week do for this wide receiver core after the amount of drops they've had this season? I think it's like up to 20 through six games. Um, I'll ask you, what, what do you think about this wide receiver unit? Do you think they'll show up on Saturday night? And, um, you know, obviously if they don't, I mean, it's going to be a very hard game to win if you come in this one and have six or seven drops again like, you have it, have, like you've had in some of the other big games. Well, it's going to kill you because when you get – well, if they don't perform, if they perform like they get in, did against Texas A&M, it's going to kill us. When Jake Billy is on and hitting you in the chest the occasional times he does in the first half, you got to catch the ball. If you're not, you're killing yourself. You're killing your draft stock if you're Brian Edwards and Debo Samuel, and you're just hurting the team altogether. You have to do your job. You have to do what you're supposed to do and do it to the best of your abilities. This week, I think they're going to come out on fire, and I think they're going to catch everything that's near them to prove the people that were saying – you know, our receiver core suck. They're not even, like, top five in the SEC, things like that. I think they'll come out with a fire under their butt and want to actually maybe perform this week and do be the receiving core they were supposed to be. I would not be surprised to see Debo Samuel, you know, score a 50-yard touchdown and Brian Edwards go up and snag on somebody on the first drive. Or, I, don't, I mean, Sean Smith dropped the first ball of his career, and it'll probably be the last one he ever dropped last week. But um, hopefully they, they can perform like they're, they were hyped up to be this week. Yeah, absolutely. I'm just – I think we're going to learn a lot about the South Carolina wide receiver core and just their mental toughness. I mean, just just their mental – their ability to flush kind of bad things. Because, I, I, again, I talked about it last week. I just think it's all mental. I mean, these guys can all catch the football. They, You know, you can go on the jugs machine and catch balls all you want. But, you know, these, these guys can all catch the football. They wouldn't have gotten scholarships to South Carolina if they couldn't. And, um, you know, we're going to be able to see how they're going to be able to flush it because it's – especially if you go out there and you drop the first one. I mean, it's going to be something where you're going to have to – you're going to have to be able to be mentally tough, flush it, and not drop another one the rest of the game. And I just – this is – I mean, this is this this game, you know, Tom, just from an overall perspective, has so many intriguing storylines. And we're just – I feel like we're going to learn so much about South Carolina because right now, you know, I don't really know how to describe the South Carolina football team. I mean – they're so inconsistent. There's so many things that have gone right, that have gone wrong, that have been good, that have been bad. This game on Saturday night is going to tell us a lot. This is one of those swing games that, you know, obviously we didn't have South Carolina being, you know, three and three right now. But this is one of those swing games where you have to win this one. Night game at home. But Tennessee is also a team, like you said. I mean, they, they've gone into a road environment. They beat Auburn on the road. You know, they're a team that's not going to be intimidated with Jeremy Pruitt as their head coach. They're going to play hard, tough. The last six games in this series have been uh, decided by a combined 20 points. So this game is always close. I'm really probably going to expect another close game on Saturday night. But there's just a lot of intriguing storylines, Tom, in my opinion. I mean, again, it just – which South Carolina team is going to show up? Because the Gamecocks have been so Jekyll and Hyde. Um, if you believe in this sort of thing, I, I you know, I think South Carolina's kind of 
in a good spot because they've been good, bad, good, bad, good, bad all season. So you look at the schedule and say, well, this, this should be their good game. So, um, again, I, I'm just really interested to see sort of how this game plays out and how, how the matchups break down. And moving into that time, we'll, we'll move into sort of our key matchups to watch. We talked about a lot of different ones, but sort of our key matchups that are, that are going to go a long way in deciding this game. Tom, I'll go ahead and let you start. Well, I think my key matchup for this game is just going to be Jake Bentley versus himself when it comes to how he plays in the first half. You know, we've all seen how well he plays in the second half and how he can sometimes, like against Texas A&M, will his team to come back into the game and come down from two touchdowns. But, you know, if he would have a better half, and not specifically against A&M because there were multiple things in that half that hurt him and the offense in general, not just him throwing the ball, not having great his throws, but um. If he could have a good first half points on the board, that way we're not in a hole in the second half and we're in the game and competitive throughout. And I think that's going to be the biggest key for us. And, you know, when you look at Jake and, you know, you, he had those such bad performances against Kentucky and against um, George. I say, I say George is a bad performance. It wasn't that bad. But, you know, Kentucky, I would really point out as if, you know, the defense gets a shutout in the second half. And if you would have scored some more points, if you would have just put some points on the board, boy, in the, uh, the board in the first half, I can talk in the board in the first half, then we could have been in that game and actually had a chance to compete. If he doesn't show up in this first half and he gives Tennessee players a confidence, they're as good as, as good as a team as we are. And they're not. It's not – I don't think it's very close. I think it's – I mean, I would say it's like – we we swing more in the 70-30 of beating them closer. And if Jake Millen lets them stay in the game, it will be closer to like 60-40 that our talent levels will be closer. But when you when people have confidence in themselves and they think that they can beat you, then they have then there's an absolute chance they're going to. But if Jake Millen can come out, put them you know, like we did against Vanderbilt, you know, put our foot on their throat and just snap snap their neck for bad better term of saying, but you know, just have to come out and perform well in the first half for us to be successful in this game and beat Tennessee like we should. Yeah, I mean, this is just one of those games, like you're saying, Tommy, the longer you let somebody hang around, the more likely it is that they're going to have a chance to beat you at the end. You know, you give a team – it doesn't matter who you're playing. I mean, even if you're a far superior team, if you're Alabama and you're playing somebody that's far I mean, below, it's going to happen. But if you let them hang around to the final court, it's just going to give them confidence. They're going to think, hey, we could actually beat these guys. So, I, you know. I mean, just for just for that, just look at Purdue and Ohio State last week. Purdue is nowhere close to the talent level that Ohio State has or even the coaching staff level. But those Purdue players were confident they could go out and whip Ohio State, and that's exactly what they did. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. And it, with the whole Jake Bentley thing, I mean, he's just got to get off to a better start. I, you can't go into halftime with 50 passing yards. and You know, you're not going to lose the game or you're not going to win the game in the first half, but you can lose it if you don't – if you put yourself too far behind the eight ball. And South Carolina has seen that firsthand this season. My key matchup, Tom, is going to be defensive end DJ Wanham uh, against Tennessee quarterback Jared Garantano and or Keller Christ, whoever plays for the Vols. Um, DJ Wanham finally being back in the fold. I'm just really curious to see what, what he does for a welcome back party. You know, obviously missing – what he missed, like I think eight weeks – Hasn't played since week one against Coastal Carolina. I'm just really excited to see what DJ Wanham does, kind of what he does again, coming back, um, testing out that ankle, obviously. and you, you think he's 110% good to go, but just kind of testing out that ankle, making sure he's good to go. But I think he's a guy that can have a huge impact in this game and really make life hell for Garantano or Chris, whoever's, whoever's behind center for the Vols. Again, the Tennessee offensive line has been somewhat of a weakness for those guys. They've given up 14 sacks in the season, tons of tackles for loss. I think it's like 59 tackle for loss they've given up. Um, 
So I think DJ Wanham is a guy that could be in the backfield all night long for the Gamecocks. Um, moving into the biggest keys of the game, Tom, I'll start. My biggest key of the game simply is just win the turnover margin. Um, it's something that Will Muschamp has obviously preached about, but the Gamecocks have just, put, again, put themselves behind the eight ball, losing the turnover margin. Jake Bentley, again, leading the SEC in interceptions with seven. You've had some costly, costly fumbles. The Brian Edwards win against Texas A&M on the punt return is one that comes to mind. But just winning the turnover battle, I mean, it's kind of a common theme in SEC play. But the Gamecocks, I just don't see a scenario where they're going to win the football game on Saturday and if they play a sloppy game and have three turnovers and Tennessee's able to take care of the football. I just really think in this situation, this type of game, especially where you have two teams that are, I think, pretty emotional teams, especially obviously South Carolina, where if things don't start well, especially in the turnover department, that's going to have a huge impact on the way the game, the rest of the game plays out. Um, so I think just the Gamecocks, again, being smart, taking care of the football, Jake Bentley obviously keeping it out of harm's way. Um, and then the defense, being able to, again, force Jarrett Carantano and Keller Chris in some bad situations, some bad throws, you know, get the ball off defenders the way the Gamecocks preach it week in and week out. Uh, being able to do that, I think, is going to be a huge, you know, telling point in who wins this football game. Um, Tom, what's going to be your biggest key to the game overall? I mean, I said it was the key matchup to watch is Jake Bentley versus having a bad first half. And my key, biggest key to the game is just getting off to a fast start. Get up on Tennessee early, make them play from behind, run the ball, drain the clock, do what you have to to win comfortably. I mean, it's not like – there's not a secret to winning football games. You get up on people early, you kill their confidence, you make them think they can't win, and then it's, the ball game is over. We mentally have to be better than Tennessee does this game. We get off to a fast start, do what we have to. We know what Jake Bentley can play like in the second half. So if he has a great first half, we might end up beating Tennessee by 50. Probably not going to happen, but that's just what I'm just thinking, you know. If he can just have a great first half and do what he's supposed to do, or whoever the quarterback is can have a good first half, just like the Missouri game. We shouldn't have beat Missouri, but we had a good first half and put points on the board, and that's what matters. That put, put us there in the ballgame in the second half. We got stops when we needed to. We got turnovers when we needed to. We have to do the right things to be successful. And for the team like Tennessee, there's not even it's not even anything like that. Tennessee isn't nearly as good as Missouri is. We should blow not blow Tennessee out of the water, but we should win this game very comfortably. And getting off to a fast start is an extreme key to that. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. Again, like I just mentioned, I mean, I just think I think it's just common knowledge at this point that South Carolina is a very emotional football team um, that gets very, very high and very, very low. I mean, that's. You know, that's unfortunate, but I think at this point you have to kind of admit that and say that's the truth. This team just kind of rides an emotional roller coaster. And, you know, I just think getting off to a fast start is so, so vital because of all the negativity they've heard, especially, again, like I said, the wide receivers, Jake Bentley, those guys getting off to a fast start. Because if you go out there, throw an early pick, you're dropping passes, it's just, it's just not going to be pretty. I just can't imagine the way it's going to affect those guys' psyche. So I agree with you. Being efficient, being effective early on is going to play a huge part. Um, all right, Tom, overall, we're going to get into some predictions, talk about kind of your thoughts on the game, overall predictions on the game. Who do you see winning on Saturday night? Um, I'm going to go with the Gamecocks. I think I'm going to go something around – I'm going to go 31-17. I think that Bentley has that good first half, and then maybe it gets a little bit closer in the third quarter, and eventually he steals the game with some kind of touchdown. Running, I, you know, Maybe he'll run for a touchdown this game. Is he, has he had a rushing touchdown this year? I don't think he has. I don't think so, no. Okay, well, maybe he'll do something. That he he actually had six last year and led the team, so maybe he'll do something that he, hasn't, he was really good at last year, hasn't done this year, run for a touchdown in the, in the fourth quarter, make the game not – make it to where Tennessee can't come back. Defense steps up. DJ Warnham gets the game ending sack. Everything is great in Gamecock Nation. The Gamecocks come out to win 31-17. Yeah, no, good pick. I, I uh, you know, like I said, the last six matchups in this game have been decided by 20 points. 
Um, so obviously some really hard fought close games, even when Tennessee was abysmal under Butch Jones, you know, you think of last season that even the 2016 season, I know the Gamecocks weren't all that great. And it was Jake, one of Jake Bentley's, what was his second game and, you know, had one of his best games as a Gamecock, but you know, I'm expecting a fairly close matchup. Um, you know, again, I, I just, I, the spread right now against South Carolina's favorite, seven and a half point favorite. I just, I'm going into this game really with no expectations. I, I really don't know what to expect. I, I believe South Carolina should win. I really do, just because I don't think Tennessee is there yet. And you just cannot let Jeremy Pruitt in his first season as Tennessee head coach beat you if you're Will Muschamp when you're in your third season as South Carolina head coach. You just, you can't do that. It, it, it's, a, it's a game that is so important for both programs. I will say that. But it's a game for South Carolina where, in my opinion, if you lose it, it really is going to set you back as a program. It just it just really is. This is not a game you should lose. Like you said, I feel like on the talent perspective, you are more talented than Tennessee at this point. Um, so with that being said, I think South Carolina does get the win. I've got the Gamecocks winning this one something along the lines of 27-21. I think the Gamecocks are going to commit to the run a lot more. Um, I just think they have to at this point. I don't really think you have a have a choice. Um, and I think Tennessee can be exposed a little bit on the defensive line and in the running game. I just – I really hope – I think we will, and I really hope we see a more – an even more stubborn South Carolina running attack, where even if it's not working early, sticking with the game plan, Jake Bentley being a lot more careful with the ball, a lot more uh, protective over the ball, not putting it so much in harm's way. Um, and hopefully, hopefully this team just kind of flushing again the first half of the season and playing more within themselves and up, up to their capabilities. So I, I think overall, South Carolina, I got to pick the Gamecocks again, 27-21. But this is a huge game. Don't get it twisted. But I don't know, Tom. I just – I have a weird feeling right now where I'm just I'm, – I'm going to the game Saturday, obviously, where I'm just going in the stadium. You know what? It's a clean slate. I really have no expectations. And let's just see what kind of team we've got. So I, I think it'll be really, really interesting in that regard, just kind of see – you know, what team South Carolina is going to bring to the table the second half of the season. Um, that's going to pretty much do it for that portion. We're going to move into some listener questions now um, as well. So let me get those. While, while I'm getting these, you probably saw on social media, we now have a – the Spurs Up show has a guest hotline. So if you guys want to call in, leave your questions. Not going to put any on this week because we only had one voicemail come through. I know I put it up pretty late. Um, but if you guys want to leave a voicemail, you can do that. You can call our number here. Uh, if I can pull the number up for you guys, uh, I just thought it'd be a really cool way for our listeners to kind of interact with the show, get your thoughts on the show. Your, it can be your thoughts and feedback on the games, the podcast itself, the Gamecocks. It doesn't have to be football, baseball, basketball, whatever you want to talk about, just Gamecocks. That number is going to be 843-790-3377. So be sure to call in again the Spurs Up Show hotline to leave all your questions, comments, feedback. And, of course, like I said, we do all of our questions on Instagram as well, which is the ones I'm going off of for this week. So be sure to check it out there. Let me get these questions pulled up. We had a lot of good questions, so really, really do appreciate it. Let's see here. If I can ever find it. There were a lot of good. Oh, here we go. Here we go. Yep. Sorry about that. All right. Let's get into some questions. So we'll start with... C. Williams 03 underscore. These are all coming from Instagram again. Do you think the drop passes will continue to happen or will they start to stop? Tom, what do you think? Uh, I'm going to go with they're going to pretty much like start to stop. I think there's still going to be some just because they're a part of the game and drops happen. But I think that that's something they definitely addressed during the bye week. It probably got cussed out more times than they would like to. But 
I, I think it's definitely going to end up be it's going to end up being a lot less than you would expect and a lot less in more critical situations. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I just they just have to stop. I, I just don't see. I don't see any way the, these guys. These guys are way too talented. I think they will figure it out and and really just lock in and, and eliminate it. Um, let's see. AJ Bowers underscore eleven leaves us a question. What's the biggest thing we have to do to beat Tennessee? You know, I, I talked a little bit about it earlier. I just think play within yourself and take care of the football, uh, winning the turnover margin. I, I just think kind of going back to the basics as well. I don't think Tennessee's a team where you really need to reinvent the wheel or reinvent how to play the game of football to beat. You know what I mean? You just need to play a solid game, execute your game plan again, not beat yourself, um, and get off to a good start. So I, I just think going back to the basics, I think if South Carolina can do that, if they can take care of the football, I think they're going to put themselves in a really good position to win the game Saturday. Um, let's see. <laughs> Here's a good one for you, Tom. Mr. Underscore Incredible 01. If Carolina could actually catch the ball this year, what is really our record? Uh, I would, I mean, I think if they catch the ball, I think that we'd probably beat A&M last week. I could be wrong because A&M just took their foot off the gas and really played. I mean, not like, I won't say they took their foot off the gas and they could have scored more points, but once you're up like that, I mean, you're up by two scores on the road, you kind of coast and don't try to do anything crazy so you don't force a turnover by your own mistake. But I think there's definitely, we. I think I would change the record to four and two. And maybe if we, you know, I wouldn't, for drops specifically, I would just say four and two. But if we, if Jake Bentley would have played a decent first half against Kentucky, I would have say five and one. I'm a, I would want to push it to five and one. Yeah, I'm saying at least four and two. I think you beat Texas A&M if you just catch the football. I have yep. to, I have to believe that. So, um, let's see. Final question here from Instagram. This one comes from Ben Smitty, 2017. Why do you think we haven't seen to carry on yet? Many said he has elite speed. Wonder why he hasn't gotten to see action on the field. Um. Yeah, Ben, I mean, I think a lot of people were hoping to see the carry on Joyner, especially in that Missouri game. I just think overall what this is telling you, if you haven't seen – it's funny to me that people call for the carry on to start. I mean, everybody has the right to their own opinion, opinion, obviously, but if you haven't seen the carry on at this point, I just – he can't – he has to be so far off from being ready to play against SEC competition. And we know what his problems were coming into South Carolina, obviously being a very – unpolished passer you know he obviously has a ways to go in that regard I know he's a really really fast kid and can make plays with his feet but the thing about this South Carolina offense is if if you got a guy back there who can't really throw the football you're cutting off so much of your offense because your playmakers are on the outside you're not a run heavy team who just runs spread option quarterback or running back run you know what I mean so I I just think at this point in the season, honestly, Tom, if you haven't – the fact we haven't seen the carry on Joyner, I don't really know that he'll play a game the rest of the season, which is a shame because you do get to play four and still get the red shirt. But I just – I find it really hard to believe that he's going to see any action. I mean, I just think that if Skarnacki is your backup and you see that they're so unwilling to pull Bentley, like what would it take to get to Dak? And, I mean, there's – yeah. Other, there's other there's other things that contribute that contribute to it well, such as you know maybe he isn't there as a passer, but I mean you know people say Lamar Jackson isn't there as a passer, and look what he's doing in the NFL right now with the Ravens. You know they just design packages him and put Joe Flacco on the side and let him let him run some stuff. And I mean I would be down for them to do that because you know Dak's an athlete and could even play you know line up and do a fake or some kind of thing that you know maybe throw Jake they could throw like a behind the behind the whatever that you know. Like the Patriots still with Edelman, throw it behind the right, line, right. Backwards throw it behind yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Backwards pass. Yeah. I'm being awful with my language tonight, but um, I think that were, I would have at least thought they'd have come up with something by now. But 
the fact they haven't at this point is kind of sad considering he was a grad tra- an early not, not a grad transfer early enrollee so I mean it's not it's just kind of disappointing not to see him from a fan perspective but if he's not ready then you're not gonna throw a kid out there that's not ready to play yeah, that's been the one thing I've been kind of surprised about is they haven't put him in any type of wildcat, any type of – because, I mean, if he does have this elite speed, which, I mean, he does. We've all seen the film, uh, and we saw a little bit in the spring game. He has the ability to make guys miss. So, I mean, especially for a team, South Carolina, that's had some red zone woes. I mean, I don't really see what it would hurt at that point to kind of get yeah. him some snaps or some looks. But, you know, like you said, I mean, <laughs> they're that unwilling to pull Jake Bentley after some of the stuff we've seen. Like you said, what's it going to take to get it to carry on Joyner? I think I think it might just be a little bit too much. So, um, yeah. So moving into, we want to talk a little bit of basketball because the Gamecocks basketball team begins play on Friday. They have an exhibition against Augusta and then really open up the season for real uh, next week against USC Upstate. Um, I know we have not talked anything but football for a while, but I definitely want to make sure we talked about the basketball team. Uh, I know I don't know about you, Tom. I'm really excited for the return of basketball season. Um, Gamecocks returning four or five starters from a year ago. They only lose Wesley Myers and Frank Booker. Um, obviously, the big returning name that everybody's excited to watch is Chris Silva. Um, and, you know, really diving into it, Tom, I- I'm just really intrigued to see, can Chris Silva be sort of that leader that this Gamecocks team is going to be looking for that I don't really know they've had since P.J. Dozier and Sendarius Thornwell left? Because last season, you know, they talked a lot about that really isn't his M.O. to be – a vocal leader, a leader of a team. But I think for the Gamecocks to really push and have the success they want this season, which would be getting back to the NCAA tournament, Chris Silva is going to sort of have to grow into that guy for uh, what's going to be not so much a young team, but, you know, a team that will be looking to make another run. I agree. I think that he definitely is the leader and has his success is going to – he's going to take South Carolina where they want to go. You know, if he has a bad year, doesn't perform like he did last year, then it could be a long season. But I think a guy like Mike Coates are, you know, having another guy like Asani Graver, there are a lot of a lot of different pieces to be excited about for this year. And the young guys coming in, you know, they, I mean, there are there are rumors that Jermaine Cousinard might not be ready for the or Cousinard. I don't know how you say his last name. The guy from Monteverde, which is like a powerhouse high school, a powerhouse high school for basketball, I think. Uh, the guy for the Nets, I can't think off the top of his name, but um, he's played for the Lakers and got traded there. The guy that threw that basically snitched on somebody, I can't remember, you know what I'm talking about, but something like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, D'Angelo Russell. D'Angelo Russell, he played in Monteverde. There, I think Ben Simmons did too, but I could be wrong on that. But um, I think that there's a lot to be excited about for this year. Yeah, no, I understand, agree. Um, yeah, I think this team's going to go as far as Chris Silva goes. One guy I'm really excited about to watch, Tom, is Justin Manaya. I thought he was a guy that was pretty good yeah, in limited definitely. action. Um, I'm really hoping he takes most of the uh, the minutes as far as the main guard position because anybody that followed – you know, this was this was way back in our heyday, back when we were, you know, not not nearly the, uh, the power we are now as far as on social media. But if there was anybody following me back uh, during the spring in February, you know – of my thoughts of Hassani Gravit and the struggles that he had at the guard position, the inconsistency. So I'm really hoping Justin Nye is a guy that can step up, really kind of become that leader at the guard position because in college basketball, let's face it, it's all about guard play. Um, you talked about some of the talented freshmen coming in, Jermaine Cunyard, uh, A.J. Lawson, T.J. Moss, Keyshawn Bryant, Alonzo Frank. I just think it's going to be interesting to see how Frank Martin is able to develop some of these youngsters because – you're going to have to have these guys play and eat up some minutes, if nothing else. Again, you've got four or five starters back this season, but you're going to have to have somebody step up as far as those youngsters are concerned. Again, one of the biggest keys for me, Tom, for this season for South Carolina is just 
what are you going to get out of your guard play? Uh, because, again, it, it's a guard-focused position. Um, as far as college basketball is concerned, it, it, the, your guards can really mask a lot of bad things for you. Um, and the Gamecocks really struggled shooting the basketball. And that had a lot to do with guys like Hassani Gravit. Wes Myers was very, very inconsistent. Frank Booker, I thought, was really good and didn't play enough last season. He was good in limited minutes. But, um, you know, Tom, I think one of the biggest question marks for this basketball team going in the season is just what are you going to get out of your guards this season? Well, I mean, if you look at the three most – or the three players that were the most, you know, important to our Final Four run two years ago were P.J. Dozier, Dwayne Nose, and Sundarius Thornwell, all three guys who handled the ball and had the ball in, most of the, in their hands for most of, the, most of the time. If you look at college basketball specifically – you know, and then, you know, generally in basketball today, the three-point shot is such a big thing. And if you don't have guards like, you know, shoot a three or distribute, then you're not going to be successful. And last year we didn't shoot that great from three. Obviously, Felipe Hase was a guy that, you know, he was on and off from three, it seemed like. And Manaya was the same way. Like, he took, could tell a stroke was there, but he just couldn't hit it in games for some reason. But in his honey grab, it has not, obviously not been that great either. And losing Rock, Rakeem Felder was a guy that, that hurt us too a lot that we didn't really get to see this year. But, um, I think that the guard play and just, you know, hitting the three ball specifically and be, and having guys that can distribute is going to help us a lot this year. If the freshman can provide that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, I a hundred percent agree with you. Um, yeah, it's going to, it's going to be a huge factor. Um, you know, just kind of roll, you know, finishing up rolling through here, the shooting woes to me. I mean, you, you know, that a Frank Martin team is going to play good defense. They're going to play hard, tough defense and make the other team really uncomfortable, but can South Carolina figure it out shooting the basketball? I mean, I forgot what the stretch was last year, Tom. I think the Gamecocks went eight or nine games in a row under 40% shooting, which is just unheard of, uh, that type of statistic. Yeah. Um, <clears throat> and I just think it's something that's going to have to improve if South Carolina, again, wants to make a run <clears> – <throat> excuse me – wants to make a run and get back to the NCAA tournament, um, which will move me into let's make some predictions for the season. Why not? I mean – um, overall, I'll go and start, Tom. You know, I, I think this is going to be a team, again, again, anytime you return four or five starters, you have all that experience coming back. You have a guy like Chris Silva, who is an all-SEC caliber player, a game-changing type player. Um, you know, I, I think it bodes well for you. I think the Gamecocks do have some really talented freshmen, some other talented youngsters. Again, I talked about Justin Manai. I think he's a guy that could have a breakout season. But I think overall for this, for this team, for Frank Martin's team this season, I think they're going to be a team that's on the bubble. I think they're going to be a really fun team to watch. Yeah. I'll say that first off. They're going to be a fun team to watch. They're going to be on the bubble all season. Right now, I'm just going to say they're going to get an NIT bid. Um, I'm not bold enough to go out on the limb and say they're going to be in the NCAA tournament, but I think they're one of those teams that is going to be on the bubble all season long. Well, I, I'm probably just going to agree with you. I think they're going to be a, a better team than last year, more towards the higher of the middle of the pack than the back of the middle of the pack or even the back of the SEC. I think they're going to have a good team this year. The SEC is, you know, considered one of the stronger conferences in basketball now along with the ACC, and that's, you know, it makes it harder for you, but it also shows you that if you can have success in your good, against good competition, then what's going to happen when you go to the play or when you go to the NCAA tournament or even the NIT? I think, like you said, they're going to be a close to a bubble team, and whether or not they perform well in the SEC tournament in their, in their conference game, especially in a game against Clemson, you know, they're going to be a top 25 team this year if you beat them that's a big win for you so I think you know the, the out-of-conference games along with their success in the SEC tournament will determine whether or not they're a, one of the top NIT tournament teams or one of the teams that you know maybe a 10 or 11 seed in the NCAA tournament yeah Michigan another good out-of-conference game Michigan yeah. I believe what they're in the elite a or final four I believe I think they were in the final four so some good out-of-conference matchups definitely to start the season that are really going to kind of set the tone for the year 
Um, but overall, yeah, that's going to do it. Uh, that's going to wrap it up. Appreciate you guys tuning in again. Please be sure to go check us out. iTunes, the Stitcher app, you know, wherever you listen to your podcast, rate, subscribe, share, and download. Leave us any feedback you have. Um, just want to say appreciate everyone sending out uh, or sending us their uh, their pictures, their stickers they received. All of those have been sent out. So, again, we appreciate you guys all reaching out to us, all the kind words. Um, and appreciate you just kind of showing us that you got your stickers and stuff like that. It's really cool to see that. Um, also, if you haven't done so yet, we have our store fully launched up, uh, our Armchair South Carolina store on Teespring. We've got our Scar Season T-shirt and also the Viva Garcia, which is really taking off. We're really back in the merch game, going to be dropping a lot more. So please be sure to, to uh, stay tuned to us on social media. You'll see all that there. But other than that, uh, you guys know where to find us on social media. For, to uh, for Thomas Floyd, Tom, you got anything else before we go into, uh, into the Tennessee game? Uh, no, go Gamecocks. Let's get a win this weekend. Absolutely. Let's get a win. All right, again, for Thomas Floyd, I'm Chris Phillips. We appreciate you guys tuning in. Enjoy this interview with Landon Raby of More Important Issues. All right, joining us today on the Spurs Up show is a very special guest in lieu of this week. Uh, he's the host of the Tennessee Volunteers podcast, More Important Issues. I want to welcome to the show Landon Raby. Landon, appreciate you coming on the show, man. It's a blast to have you. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Yeah, no, absolutely. So I want to dive right into it. Obviously, we brought you on the show to give, you know, just the the Tennessee Volunteers perspective on this thing. You know, the Vols come in this game, obviously, off a, a brutal beat down to Alabama, which most teams have suffered when playing them. But I want to go back before that, because obviously there was a fallout with Butch Jones from a year ago. Um, Jeremy Pruitt gets the job. Just talk about what it's been like. Um, I know what you're going to say as far as the upgrade it's been, but just talk about what the Jeremy Pruitt experience has been like for volunteer fans to this point. Yeah, there's just, um, there's just a different feel around the program from when Butch Jones left to when Jeremy Pruitt took over. Um, he he holds, holds the guys to a different standard, um, you know, and, and you see the, the former players that he's coached, the guys from Georgia, guys from Alabama, um, that have reached out and just been like, hey, you know, I, I love you, coach, blah, blah, blah. Um, you didn't really see that with Butch Jones. I know we didn't face a lot of former guys that he coached before, but you didn't see a lot of players go out of their way to show their love for um, Butch Jones. And so that, that's kind of like been the most refreshing thing, uh, just seeing the respect that he has um, within his players. And he's just a football guy. He's a, he's a Southern guy that you just want um, around your program and, and I th I don't know if he's the guy um, but he's he's definitely been um, been at least a stepping stone in the right direction yeah no absolutely and I, I kind of relate it to some of the other coaching changes we've seen from across the country just the just the culture change if you will um, one thing I had a conversation with a Tennessee fan you know before this season I think one of the most exciting things for them was getting Philip Fulmer back really involved with the program. He obviously sits as the athletic director now. Um, has there been a major impact felt from that perspective as well, just getting someone kind of leading the charge that obviously is, you know, full-blooded, you know, a Tennessee volunteer? Yeah, I, I just think having a Tennessee guy, you know, he knows the community, um, and, and he has really tackled the football aspect. But he's also, like, had to hire a bunch of other I think the volleyball coaches is his next hire. Um, he's really wanting to build up the baseball program as well. So um, it's not just strictly football, but he just wants Tennessee as a whole to be better athletically. Um, and so, you know, 
Jeremy Pruitt having Phil Former in his back pocket, you know, whenever he needs advice, he's been there, done that. So I, I definitely feel like Pruitt is, is definitely using Former as um, an advisor um, of some sort to to be able to run this program the best he can. Right, absolutely. So let's move to on the field. Obviously, Tennessee right now sitting at three and four overall. Um, you know, like I said, coming off that loss to Alabama, but, you know, Tennessee got their first SEC win in, what, over a year when they went on the road to Auburn, got a really good road victory. Um, Jeremy Pruitt's obviously first SEC win as a Tennessee as a Tennessee head coach. Just kind of talk about, you know, where Tennessee sits right now. You know, I think fans, from what I saw, had pretty realistic expectations. Obviously, year one of the Pruitt era, um, there was a mixed bag, but it was a lot of Tennessee, you know, if, if they go six and six, it'll be a really good year. Again, right now, Tennessee sitting at that three and four mark. Talk about just kind of overall Bulls fans' impressions of the 2018 season to this point and kind of what they've seen so far. Yeah, I mean, Tennessee fans, some of them get delusional and they, they kind of talk themselves into, oh, we can go uh, nine and three, eight and four. Um, but realistically, you, you looked at the schedule um, beforehand and, you know, that was back when South Carolina, we thought that they were going to be able to, to compete with Georgia for the East. Um, we thought definitely that was the two teams. Um, and we had that gauntlet where, you know, you start out West Virginia, you have two easy games, and you start Florida. You got um, Georgia, Auburn, Alabama, South Carolina. So you you were like, well, maybe we can still win from, from West Virginia to maybe Florida, um, you know, and then after that South Carolina game, mm-hmm. we'll just try to get back on track and try to make it to a bowl game. Um, but you, you, you get trauma by – um, West Virginia and Florida, and then uh, you roll around into Auburn, and your team has, as a whole, has competed and gotten better each week. Which, with Butch Jones, you didn't know what team was going to go out there, but this team has has really improved each week, um, offensively and defensively. Um, so I, I think realistically, I think a bowl a bowl game would be um, there. I predicted seven and five. Um, so I'm going to stay with that prediction. You know, we'll see. Um, but I think right around the six and six, seven and five range is what you'll see from the balls this year and next year. With a, with a really good recruiting class coming in so far, you know, hopefully that gets better. Um, they're sitting at number 14 right now per two four seven. Um, I definitely think that we'll, we'll be able to compete. Hopefully, um, for the East next year. No, right, absolutely, and uh, that kind of brings me to I want to start start with the offense for you guys because there was a really intriguing quarterback battle, obviously going into the season with Keller Christ and Jared Garantano and uh, Jeremy Pruitt announced today, or I believe it was either yesterday. I think it was yesterday. He said that Jared Gar- Jared Garantano would be healthy. Uh, he'll be ready to go for this game. Just talk about kind of the quarterback battle, sort of your thoughts on it, your opinions on who you think should be the guy, and um, you know your overall thoughts because I, I personally, you know, for for the situation he was put in, I thought Garantano was pretty good in this game a year ago. Again, just being a true freshman, hadn't really had a whole lot of playing time. I thought he played fairly well. Um, just kind of give your mm-hmm. your thoughts on the quarterback situation in Tennessee. Yeah, I mean, if you look at Garantano from a year ago to now, you know, he looks like a totally different quarterback. Um, and when Keller Chris came in, I I thought – because, I mean, Keller Chris lost the job to a true freshman at Stanford – so I was like, maybe I don't I don't think he's that great, um, but he's definitely a guy that can come in here and compete um, and push Garantano because the way me and Caleb has kind of talked on our show is, you know, who gives you a better chance down the road? Um, and we think Garantano, you know, he is 
three. Um, he could potentially have three years. I, I think he'll he'll stay that route. And um, in three years, I definitely think he is the guy that can, um, you know, be one of the top quarterbacks in the SEC. Um, he's come a long way. You know, he was behind Dobbs. His, he redshirted his freshman year. Um, was behind Dobbs, um, and he's just really kind of come into his own and been a leader. He's a tough kid. Poor guy, the offensive line is just absolutely terrible right now. But he's taking hits, but he, he's still making the throws down the field, making the check down. So um, I, I think Garantano is the guy moving forward. Um, I, I do think Jeremy Pruitt has said he, he's, he's full go, but I think if there's any kind of doubt, that Keller Chris will get some playing time um, like he did against Alabama. He played well against Alabama. Um, threw for two touchdowns, a um, couple hundred or 160-something yards, I think. Um, so so definitely, Garantano is a guy, but Keller Chris can come in and, you know, command the offense, I think, well enough to compete in the game. Yeah, and I know Will Muschamp talked about in his press today saying he'd be ready for both guys. So I'm I'm really intrigued to see – um, kind of how that plays out. Because, again, I, I think pretty highly of Garantano, maybe higher than others, but I think he's a pretty solid option back there and a guy that can make some plays and really beat you if you don't, uh, you know, you don't play your gaps. Uh, one thing Will Muschamp also mentioned today, talked about, is that Tennessee wide receiver core. Um, I know you guys have some really big-body guys, Marquez Calloway, Juwan Jennings, um, you know, some really, really good weapons on the outside. And South Carolina has obviously had their problems in the secondary kind of shuffling guys in and out at the safety position, having some youth and experience at the, uh, you know, at the corners. Talk about just kind of overall Tennessee's wide receiver unit and just how – because I have to imagine that's going to be Tennessee's game plan, at least offensively, is go in and try to try to expose the South Carolina secondary. Yeah, and that, that's kind of been their offense, especially against Auburn. You saw that, um, you know, they the 50-50 balls, the, um, if you're one-on-one with the cornerback, they're going to go after you. Um, and that's they want to push down, push it down the field because, like I said, the offensive line is not playing well. Um, so if they're able to push it down the field. They're able to get in uh, field goal range and hopefully get a score. So I, I think coming into the season, I said that this is, you know, they were left off like this receiver group was left off a bunch of lists of um, most talented uh, wide receiver groups in the country. And then in the SEC, they weren't even like top eight um, or something like that. And I was just like, you know, this is one of the most underrated position groups that we have. I think it's definitely our best group um, as a whole with – you have Josh Palmer, who's a sophomore, Mark West Callaway, and Juwan Jennings. Um, and then you have Brandon Johnson in the slot sometimes that can get the ball. And, obvious, and also Ty Chandler out of the backfield is definitely an option. He's caught um, a touchdown pass in the last three games. So he's somebody that – um, they want to get the ball to as well, and they have, have gone after some freshmen last um, in the game against Alabama. Uh, Patrick Sertain is a true freshman, so they went after him. So, um, and J.C. Horn was once committed to the ball, so hopefully they can uh, kind of get some revenge and go after him. Just as I know, uh, Will Muschamp talked about Bryce Thompson, how he was committed to the game. Cox ended up at Tennessee, so. Uh, maybe we'll get those fresh on the taste of uh, and maybe a little robbery in here. 
Yeah, there are definitely some interesting matchups in that regard. You mentioned the J.C. Horn thing and Bryce Thompson. I know Nigel Warriors, another guy South Carolina tried to recruit pretty heavily. Um, you talked about the offensive line for Tennessee struggling. I was just taking a look at some of the rushing numbers for you guys, and it looks like you know Ty Chandler right now averaging almost five yards a carry. Just kind of talk about the Tennessee running game and the overall you know offensive identity that Tennessee has right now as a whole. Is it more so – pro style is it kind of 50 50 between run and pass are they leaning more on the pass and the run what what's sort of the identity of the Tennessee offense at this point I think at the beginning of the year Pruitt and Tyson Helton wanted to uh, push the run um, and establish the line of scrimmage but that that's just not how they're moving the ball down the field they're moving the ball down the field by um, pushing it vertically and, and over the middle and getting it to guys on the outside um, and letting them make plays um, We've had a lot of negative yards on first down. I feel like that kind of kills our drives when we try to go first and second down, running the ball, and you get one to two yards. So it's it's third and long. Um, so um, we've we've been able to um, capitalize on on third down a lot. Um, but I mean, you can't trust that forever. You're going to have to, um, especially against a opponent like South Carolina and upcoming Kentucky that have pretty decent defenses, you're definitely going to need to um, get the get the running game going. Um, and that that's going to open up the pass a little bit more. But Ty Chandler is definitely our, our number one back. He's a speed guy. Um, and then they have Tim Jordan, who's a sophomore as well. He's actually, I think, leading the team in rushing yards um, in two touchdowns with only 334. And I think 100, 100 of that was in the first game against West Virginia. So I, I haven't really – got a ton of yards up front um but they're guys that can um come in there it's it's like a weird they kind of complement each other tim jordan's more of a pound guy and uh todd chandler is more of a speed guy so they kind of complement each other in that regard and they also have moderate london who's a transfer from michigan state who's played a lot um he's definitely the third guy but he's a veteran guy so he knows kind of um his football IQ is definitely higher than two, and he's um, a guy that can go in there and get you yards. But I feel like those those two right there are the guys you need to watch out for. Absolutely. So moving over to the defensive side of the ball, and it's funny because, you know, you had talked about the struggles of the Tennessee offensive line, uh, and I was taking a look at the stats here, and you can definitely see that reflected in the stat sheet just in the simple point that, you know, Tennessee has 36 tackles for loss. The, their opponents have 59. Um you know, yeah. Tennessee has 12 sacks. Their opponents have 14. Um, talk about the – like you mentioned Bryce Thompson, who's a youngster. Just talk about that Tennessee defense um, just kind of from an overall standpoint. You know, obviously Jeremy Pruitt being a Nick Saban disciple, he's going to bring in that tough, hard-nosed uh, type of mentality. If you will. How is that taken over on the defensive side of the ball? Jeremy Pruitt has really, like I said, improved this defense um, each week. They're looking better and better. The defensive line was – coming into this season you thought that they were going to be the ones um to kind of lead the charge on this defense but as it, it was really the um, young guys at corner was Alante Taylor and Bryce Thompson that came in there and started making plays and you're like wow I mean they look like the best um, players on the field but since I guess that uh Georgia game um guys like Darrell Taylor off the edge and uh, Kyle Phillips had a, a pick six against Alabama those guys have really come into their own and have played like you would expect them to at the beginning of the season. So I think um, linebacker, you have 
you have veteran guys like Darren Kirkland Jr. and Daniel Patuli, um, guys that they're going to make a lot of tackles. They're not going to um, rush a ton. I feel like they want to protect those guys. They, they want to bring four a lot. Um, they think they can get a, a lot of pressure with just the four guys that they have um, and kind of, you know, play back and help the guys in the secondary, like like you said, Bryce Thompson and Alante Taylor. But I think Bryce Thompson is definitely a star in the making at cornerback. I think he has two interceptions already on the year. He just looks um, comfortable, and he just looks like he's – I know he's an ath- he was an athlete coming out of high school, but he just looks like he's been a cornerback quarterback since um, he came out of one. Yeah, no, I, I remember watching his film. I mean, he, he's a very talented kid, and I, I think it was uh, Steve Tannehill, old South Carolina quarterback that I think coached him, called him maybe the best athlete he had seen come out of South Carolina, which is very high praise. So, yeah, the kid's obviously got some huge upside. Uh, you talked about a guy, Darrell Taylor. I was looking again at his stat line, just has leads the volunteers, I believe. I think he leads the team with three sacks. Um, just talk about overall schematically, you know, because South Carolina's a team right now, they like to run a lot of RPO um are really going to be 50 50 you know obviously I think it's well well dialogued for anyone that follows along with us the struggles that have been at the quarterback position obviously it's funny you were talking about the Tennessee wide receiving core being underrated I think South Carolina was a team where you came in and the this wide receiving core was touted as one of the best in the SEC if not the best maybe one of the best in the country and you know I think they have the talent but just have not lived up to the billing have have definitely underachieved um, talk about what mm-hmm. you think Tennessee's plan is going to be schematically coming in this game um, against the South Carolina offense that, you know, I, I think we know a lot about and nothing about at the same time, just as far as what they can do and what South Carolina offense is going to show up. Mm-hmm. I definitely think it starts with Devo Samuel. I think um, a year ago we were talking about him being in the Hosman race and now him coming off that injury. Um you know, I definitely think he's a guy that you got to watch out for. You can't just play one-on-one or, or he's going to beat you. I'm, I'm interested to see. So, uh, Jake Bentley, is, is he is he the guy going forward? Or he, they gonna... he is. Yeah, he's the starter. Um, okay. He came – they came off the Missouri game. He came back healthy and then in the starter. So, I, I think it's – it was one of those situations, just to kind of keep you in the loop, it was one of those situations where I think that Will Muschamp wasn't going to allow – him to lose his job via injury, basically, if that makes sense. So he is gotcha. the guy. Gotcha. Okay. Um, you know, it, it feels like Tennessee and South Carolina, no matter where either one of them is in, in the East, in the standings, they always seem to play each other tough. So I think Jake, it starts with Jake Bentley. I know that night that he was supposed to be at prom, he ended up beating us um, <laughs> his, his true freshman year. So that that's always been – um, something that Tennessee fans talk about that they don't they don't really like very much. So um, I think it starts with him getting the ball to Debo Samuel. Um, you know they want to bring pressure. They're going to bring pressure in a bunch of weird ways. They'll bring it from the nickelback with Balaam Buchanan. Um, and like I said, they want to rush four as well. So they they think they can get pressure that way. You got a big guy up the middle and shot Tuttle. So look for him to plug the holes. Um, and then, like I said, Darrell Taylor, I think two of those sacks were against Georgia, um, and they one was a fumble, and the tight end picks it up and runs it 31 yards for a touchdown. So um, we haven't had the best luck when we get to the quarterback, um, but, it, but it, it, it looked different against Auburn that we got a um, fumble recovery for a touchdown. 
So I definitely think they want to get pressure because um, that leads to turnovers. And turnovers, if you if you win the turnover battle, I think you win the game. I think whoever wins the turnover battle in this game definitely um, takes the W. Yeah, I, I'd have to. I think that's a really good analysis. I'd have to agree with you 100%, especially when you look at – I mean, a team like South Carolina and their three losses, they've been abysmal in the turnover margin. So I think that 100% applies to this game as well. Um, you know, you kind of mentioned what sort of brings up – you know, Tennessee has had – you know, obviously the Butch Jones era was well dialogued, but Tennessee's had some just strange luck, if you will. I mean, the 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 thing that happened in the Georgia game with Isaac Nada picks up the 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 fumble and takes it in for a touchdown is a play that I think you could I think you could try to replicate it a hundred times over and not get it once. Just talk about kind of just why why it seems to be of late that the ball just doesn't seem to bounce the Vols way. Because I mean, there there have been just you know, obviously I don't watch Tennessee football every single weekend, but you keep up with the SEC and what all the other teams are doing. Mm-hmm. There just seems to be something weird happening in every single Tennessee game that's on, I feel like. Right, yeah. Well, it started with the Florida game. We had like six turnovers. And some of those turnovers were just like, like how did that even happen? Um, and some were just like blown assignments on the offensive line. And some were didn't pick up the blitz on the offensive line. Um, so just, you know, the ball hasn't rolled our way. Um, you saw that Georgia, we, we had three fumbles and didn't get one of them. Um, I mean, you know, the ball just didn't go your way. And then you go into Auburn, um, and it started going your way. Um, like we got that, we got a sack, a strip sack, and it just rolled around until it rolled into the end zone. And one of our guys was there to pick it up. Um, so you're like, holy crap, is it changing for us? Um, we thought ever since we fired Philip Fulmer, you thought Tennessee was cursed, but um, then they roll into Auburn and the ball seems to go our way. So was Fulmer, hiring Fulmer the best thing we could have done? Probably. Um, I, I definitely think that this team is um, definitely talented. You, you, If you look at the, the ratings, you know, the four and five stars were up there with a lot of teams in the country but they just haven't lived up to the height. And, you know, was it like a talent? Was it like – was it over-recruiting? Was it um, lack of development? You know, there's a number number of things that could have happened, but um, the improvement from week to week that Pruitt's um, got this team going. And it sucks that we had to play Alabama last week after a win against Auburn. Um, I mean, you, you score 21 points and you hate moral victories, but, you know, you have to find something against Alabama because they're doing that to everybody. Yeah, I was going to say, it's kind of, I mean, it's honestly kind of unfair you guys play Alabama every year. I know South Carolina plays them next year um, in the uh, rotating sw- or the swing game in the West, and it's going to be the first time since 2010 when South Carolina beat Alabama. They're actually the the last SEC East team to do that, but it's kind of like, well, this is a this is a little bit of a different beast with, uh, with Tua leading the charge. I, I don't know who's going to dethrone Alabama anytime soon, but yeah, it's you know, absolutely brutal playing them. Uh, almost right, you, go ahead, go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, you're you're talking about two. It's like this is probably the best team they've ever had. Um, you know, if you look at uh, the past, they've always had great position players. Uh, their skill players great um, line play, and then they add the best quarterback in the country this year. And you're like, holy crap! How do you stop them? <laughs> 
Yeah, it's they Nick Saban's finally kind of got that offense to go along with that stellar defense. I think they're number one in like almost every offensive category. Um, almost kind of going back to coaching here. We're really pretty much just going back to coaching. Um, I want to get your opinion and your thoughts. I'm sure you guys talked about this on your show, but the comments from Jeremy Pruitt, I think either at halftime or after the game um, that were circulating around social media. I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. I saw a lot of opinions on it from different people and Basically, when he said, quote, I pr- talking about the performance in the Alabama game, quote, I promise you I will recruit 25 other guys that will play the right way so we don't have to play in another game like this. And he kind of expanded that later in the – or after the game, talking about how, you know, you look at Alabama's sideline and look at Tennessee's sideline, it's like there's no comparison, basically, just talking about the players and stuff like that. And, you know, I saw a lot of interesting takes on social media, people saying that, you know, Jeremy Pruitt's putting down his team and – to me, I don't. I just don't take it that way. I, I actually appreciate the honesty. I wish coaches would be more honest because, you know, as much as I love Will Muschamp, I feel like he, he tries to keep things so close to the vest at times that it gets really, really old. You know, what I mean, hearing the same coach speak over and over. Just talk about though, kind of you guys' opinion on the whole situation. Do you appreciate Jeremy Pruitt's comments? Do you wish it's something he had kept in house? I mean, overall, what's you kind of you guys take on it? Well, I think at halftime, um, I definitely think he's frustrated when he says it. Um, and then he kind of expanded on it, and I feel like it makes total sense to me. So it probably wasn't the best time to say it. Um, I mean, realistically, everybody knew it. All right. Yeah, I mean, and he did put a lot of it on himself that, you know, he has to go out and compete with this next recruiting class. Um, and if, he, if he's able to do that, then he looks like a freaking genius to me. Um but, I mean, I just think he was challenging the team. You know, he was talking about some guys do um, do it the right way and some guys don't, and he's going to get in 25 guys that um, are going to do it the right way. So, I think with the talent that Butch Jones had to, you know, what Jeremy Pruitt wants to do, you have a bunch of um, square pegs with round holes. Um, guys just, just don't fit the system. So, I, I think that was kind of what it was more than putting down his team. I, I don't – He's all, he's always praised his team, um, but he's also not sugarcoating anything either. Um, you know, if it's if it's true, he's going to say it. So I, I I don't have a problem with that. You know, Butch Jones was the worst in press conferences, just saying you know the cliche sayings, and so it, it's just refreshing to me to have him um, kind of tell it like it is. Yeah, 100%. Speaking of Butch Jones, I have to ask, how did it feel seeing the uh, the picture circulating the Sunday after the game of Butch Jones smoking the cigar? I, don't, I mean, him, him to be able to go into people's houses and say, I'm going to give, you know, my all for your kid, and then to come into the team that you were talking to those kids and uh, – to celebrate a victory when you had literally nothing to do with it. I don't even think he's allowed to coach, um, you know, on the field. I think he's, he's an analysis intern or whatever you want to call him. Um, I don't know. I mean, he, he's just, he's the worst in yeah. my opinion. He's the worst. And I'm so glad um, that we've got rid of him and you can kind of blame it on Josh Dobbs and Derek Barnett and Alvin Kamara that, um, he had the job for as long as he did <laughs> yeah no, absolutely for sure uh yeah it's just hilarious with the with the uh with the butch jones thing i had another question for you i forgot what it was going to be um 
but no, yeah, Butch Jones just absolutely ran the Tennessee program in the ground. I 100% agree with you. Um, I'm not sure how active you guys are on social media. Do you know of Vol Bandit by chance? I do. You do? Okay. Do you, I mean, I, I see this. Like, he do, likes some of our stuff sometimes. Okay. So I like, well, I'm not sure if you've yeah. seen the picture, but he took a picture back in, like, March or April with a Tennessee flag in front of the South Carolina Stadium. I, my question was going to be, do you think that Vol Bandit's going to be at the game Saturday, and do you think he'll have his Tennessee flag uh, – flying proudly like he did in his uh his twitter picture he might i mean <laughs> i wouldn't put it past any tennessee fan to do something crazy like that um actually like that's probably the least crazy it could possibly be um yeah. so I'm, I'm glad they didn't like destroy anything like i'm glad they're not like alabama fans and go like poison trees <laughs> and stuff like that so i'm glad it's just a flag <laughs> Yeah, I, it's funny. I saw some – we're kind of getting off track, but I saw a, a really funny uh, – I don't follow him or anything, but there's been South Carolina fans interacting with him. Apparently somebody's – I think maybe his wife's soup has been a hot topic of discussion this week, and I, I don't I don't really know. There's been an argument over that. I have no idea, but it's just – it's good banter. Because like you were saying earlier in the yeah. show, South Carolina, Tennessee's really become almost more of a rivalry than I thought of it growing up, obviously, because when I was – you know, I'm 27, so when I was, you know, 14, South Carolina got their first ever win over Tennessee in Knoxville. I always thought of Tennessee as a game you sort of hope to win, but, you know, Tennessee mm-hmm. was always the superior team, and obviously when Steve Spurrier came to South Carolina, it sort of flipped the script on it. Now it's a – I mean, I saw a stat. I think it's the last six games have been decided by 20 points, um, and which I guess can kind of lead me to my next question. Just talk about kind of the way Tennessee fans perceive South Carolina and – the quote-unquote rivalry? Because I can't imagine South Carolina is the first rival for Tennessee. That that definitely probably belongs to Alabama and maybe Vanderbilt. But just talk about kind of where the South Carolina game falls in the spectrum for Tennessee fans. I mean, any time that you have the chance to win a conference game, it's huge. Um, so I feel like we play South Carolina every year, and it's usually after Bama. So you're, you're trying to steal a win um, after you just got the crap beat out of you. So – now, I definitely think you mentioned Steve Spurrier. He he fueled that rivalry. Um, it, it definitely made it into, especially what I can remember, um, he made it into a bigger thing than what it um, originally was. And and it, it's kind of like lived on since then. Um, and, and then Muschamp was at uh, Florida. And he made the comment after they beat, um, Tennessee and Knoxville, he was just like, I love 100,000-plus, um, <laughs> get disappointed like that. So, uh, he's kind of fueled it a little bit as well. Um, it, it's definitely not the first. I'll probably go Alabama, which it's not much of a rivalry anymore. But other than that, I'll probably go Florida. Right. Um, especially my hatred. My, In my opinion, it's Florida. I hate Florida with everything in me. Um, Vanderbilt, you would hope that that wouldn't be a rivalry either, but it's kind of turning into one. Um, even though there's really no fans, and I don't know why you'd be a, a Vandy fan <laughs> anyway. Um, but yeah, I mean South Carolina. I, I've been to Columbia before. I, I enjoy the place. Um, so it, it's definitely not a, a huge hatred to me. Um, but anytime that you can go in and, and get a SEC win, it's huge. Absolutely. So wrapping up because I'm going to get you out of here. But last question. You know, you brought up Will Muschamp. And obviously, I mean, as South Carolina fans, you know, we are fans of Will Muschamp. I think he's a good coach. I think he's a lot better coach than he was at Florida. But, you know, obviously the the Tennessee Vols, I mean, he's had unprecedented success, 6-0 and against Tennessee. What has been the Vols' issue with beating him? Because, I mean, 
no offense, I just wouldn't think Will Muschamp would have that good of a record against anybody, just you know, especially Tennessee. I mean, what's been the deal with him? I don't know. I've always kind of liked. I mean, he's definitely psychotic. That, that's <laughs> and he's he looks like an alcoholic to me. He he might not be, but he kind of looks like one. Um, but it, he's just a great defensive mind, and I think he schemes really well against offenses, especially offenses you play every year. Um, I, I think giving him time to prepare for offenses is just um, his cup of tea. So I think that um, is, is a big deal. Um, and now it's kind of like the must champ hump. Like, can you get over it? So it was like we finally beat Florida after they beat us 11 times in a row. Um, so, I mean, you got you got to hope it's coming soon where Tennessee finally gets over the must champ hump. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, well, perfect. Well, Landon, again, we really appreciate you tuning in or uh, coming on the show. Um, everyone listening, please be sure to go listen to more important issues, obviously, especially this week being South Carolina South Carolina week. Uh, Landon, I know you, you and your team are going to have a lot of breakdown of the game, but, you know, appreciate you coming on and, you know, best of luck this weekend. Absolutely, you too. Have a good one. Absolutely. That's Landon Raby. Uh, again, for Landon and Thomas Floyd, I'm Chris Phillips. You guys know where to find us. Please be sure to tune in next week as we recap the game against the Tennessee Volunteers and preview the Gamecocks upcoming game against the Ole Miss Rebels. Appreciate you guys tuning in. We'll catch you next time.